0: Well, I think we'll get started here, Um, and uh, I guess you all know right now that you're at Cornerstone, our afternoon session, and our focus, once again, is building lives and families on the rock, the solid rock, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, we've got some special guests and and men who have been just a huge encouragement in my life, Um, sometimes when they weren't even aware of it. Uh, but uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But uh, we wanted to start, um, as we usually do, by taking a little time just to get some updates um, from some folks, and we'll get two members just to give us one encouragement and maybe one prayer request and take the time to pray for you and also to pray for the church. And, uh, you know, why don't we... um, start with, uh, let's see, Christian Sanchez. I see you are on my uh, screen, so maybe you could share for us maybe one encouragement, one way the Lord's encouraged the Sanchez family. Uh, I know one of the ways the Lord encouraged me is by seeing you in a drive-by this morning uh, at church, but um, maybe one encouragement and maybe one way we could be praying for your family.
1: Thank you, Pastor Mark, uh, for for your encouragement too. Always uh, great to hear you uh, speak and, and, and uh, edify on Sunday. So we were, we were happy to uh, be able to join the fellowship this morning. And, uh, you know, the weather was beautiful. You know, everybody see everybody smiling faces behind the mask. Of course, I'm imagining how the smiling faces looked <laughs> behind the mask. But uh, no, we, we've, we've had a, a, good, uh, a good month of, I guess we're in May now, but a good April. Uh, one of the biggest encouragements was, you know, the kids being um, happy to get back to school uh, and seeing how how happy and, and, and glad they are to to go back. But the one that recently just happened is my wife applied to uh, a psychology program. Um, that's her background. And so she got accepted this week. So uh, we had put that in God's hands. You know, it, it's a small program. So she's been out of school and out of the the, the working world for a while and so she was a little bit had a little anxiety about that but we prayed we put it in God's hands and we heard about it this week so you know it's a new stage in each chapter in in her life and obviously in the re- for the rest of the family so uh, again you know I, I think it's an encouragement for all of us you know no matter how big or small it is it's uh, you know if we put it in God's hands and we rest assured and trust that he has the best plans for us even if we get rejected, not once, twice, or three times, you know, we know that it's according to His plan, and He wants what's best for us, you know. So we always we went into that thinking, um, thinking about that, and meditating on that. But you know, as humans and as sinful creatures, we we sometimes we are still worry and doubt. But um, you know, she she was really uh, she was really happy this week to hear back. So, and then as far as prayer, you know, just you know, for me, it's just shepherding the family you know, guiding them, um, taking care of myself spiritually so I can uh, be a spiritual leader for them. Um, you know, as in a way they go back into the kids, especially into new environments, you know, back at school, back with, with, you know, students and, and other families. And so just being able to shepherd them and, and help them through, through their next stage in, in school, I guess both of them. So I'm, I'm going to be the, the dad here with, with three people going to school. <laughs> Sounds
0: good. Christian, thank you for sharing. Um, and I know those transitions with families, um, you know, it's a big part of this COVID era as families juggle all sorts of different plans. And and we'll be touching on that a little bit as well um, in our QA with uh Pastor Lawson and Pastor Hardy. Um I'm going to ask one other, um, household just to share and give an update. And, um, I'm going to ask Miranda and Carrie, um, if you would be willing sisters, because we want, um, some of our single sisters to represent as well as the families. Maybe if you could share, uh, an encouragement from the Lord and also a uh, prayer request. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Um, I
2: guess a, uh um, praise is uh, that things are going well. Um, I'm learning, uh, and growing in contentment in the Lord and rejoicing in all that he has given me a stable job, um, a comfortable home. And, um, for those who don't know, I am actually being, going to be moving out of my, my home and moving into a new home at the end of May. And so that could be a prayer request for me is, Uh, being able to steward um, what remains of getting ready for that move, as well as what I consider about continuing to minister to my own family uh, as I move out. Um, I guess uh, for myself, um, an encouragement has uh, just been different opportunities in my workplace to um, share the gospel with one of my coworkers. Um, We had a chance to eat lunch together the other week. And um, yeah, she was asking the difference about Christianity and Catholics and um, why I choose to go to a church that's not near my home. And I think that was just a really good opportunity to share, you know, what's important and who Jesus is and why I, you know, choose to make the decisions in my life that don't seem to make sense to her. Um, and yeah, so Ian, so, yeah, that's definitely a prayer request to continue to follow up with her. Um, I think after that conversation, just having a better idea of what she understands and what she doesn't, and you know, even to be diligent about you know looking for resources or just continually conversing with her about these things. Um, ultimately, knowing that it's the Lord who says, but you know, I think just having that um, that responsibility and privilege even to be an instrument for the Lord. Um, So that's a prayer.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, ladies, for sharing that. Um, Why don't we, if we could, just take a few moments just to pray um, to the Lord and uh, for the needs of the church this afternoon, if if you'd bow with me. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for being an amazing and wonderful and gracious Lord and Savior. You have cared for us in amazing ways. And uh, through everything that has gone on in this past year, Lord Jesus, you have revealed yourself through your word. You have shown yourself more than sufficient. And you have made yourself known and shown us grace and truth and compassion in abundance of ways. Lord, we thank you for what's going on. Uh, With all our members, we thank you, Lord, for those who are making those transitions and making choices as far as going back to school or changing jobs or the transitions that happen with many of the children with regards to education. Lord, these can be challenging seasons and there are many decisions to be made. And we do ask for your wisdom and your discernment. We ask that you'd strengthen our faith in you that at the end of the day, You are sovereign over all of these things, and you guide our footsteps, and you give us opportunities, Lord, to share the gospel with others. And you've put us here as a church and as individuals in the workplace, Lord Jesus, so that we have the opportunity to share the good news of what you do, what you have done, and what you will do. And so we ask your help. Lord, in this way, as a church and as individuals and as families, but ultimately, Lord Jesus, as your slaves and your servants, uh, that you would, Lord Jesus, continue to allow us in every place that we are just to celebrate your goodness and grace and to share the good news with others. So we thank you for these things, and we just ask that you bless our time together now. Guide us in your word And point us, Lord Jesus, to the paths and the steps that you would have us walk in. In your name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, before I get to introducing our guests, I ask you to have a look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, we'll read briefly verses 5 through 9. And I just want to set the table just a little bit, our theme for this afternoon and We're going to be asking questions of uh, Pastor Lawson and Pastor Hardy, really about uh, God's use of the workplace, redeeming the workplace, and uh, our careers and our work being used for the glory of God and the gospel. Um, But Ephesians 6, verse 5 slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ not by way of eye service as men pleasers but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does this he will receive back from the Lord whether slave or free and masters do the same things to them and give up threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places." I know on occasion, some of you consider work as slavery, and we do that in a jestful way, but I think one thing is very clear that we are all, no matter where we are at, uh, more than bond servants and really slaves of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us so much hope and joy and contentment regardless of where we are and Christ's clear example that the gospel has a place in where we work. And uh, this afternoon, we get a chance to hear from some men who God has really uh, used as a blessing in my life personally, as I said before, in ways I'm sure they're not even aware of. Uh, but also, they have had a rich work experience and a, and a diverse work experience, both in the pastorate, but also, I think, what we would refer to, quote unquote, as the secular world. Um, but when I first arrived at Grace back in 1999, 2000, the early 2000. Pastor Hardy, um, I believe at that time was everywhere. He was the executive pastor. He was also um, in the music ministry there and also helped out um, with the seminary. And then, you know, as I found out from a fellow student in the biblical counseling program and, and Pastor Hardy was very active in, the biblical counseling world as well. Um, as maybe you overheard a little bit earlier, he left Grace in order to help with a what was very much a, a church revitalization in uh, North Carolina. And I just remember the joy of that lady who was in the program at that time. They'd been through a hard time in their church to have a pastor who was willing to come and minister to them and be an encouragement and speak the word of God. And so I had a chance at a distance to see that. And then uh, Pastor Hardy was able to come back as well when George and I were in Grace Advance and be an encouragement to us and prepare us and teach us about church revitalization and church planting. And uh, George, you know well, he is a, a friend and a brother and an unofficial member of our church, both in our time in Baltimore and his time here. He needs little introduction. Uh, but I, I think One of the things that was special for me for both these men is, you know, Pastor Hardy was a pharmacist and uh, had his own pharmacy prior to making that transition into full-time ministry. And so he's sort of seen both sides, and he's also shepherded men and women through uh, counseling issues very much, and many times our work are the places where we get squeezed. And George, too, during our time in seminary, I distinctly remember that season watching George as he shouldered a job and supported his family uh, while going through and taking courses in seminary. And dealing with the stress, juggling those things, and then ultimately uh, making many of those hard decisions during seminary uh, as he carried that burden of providing for his, his family during that time. And so both of these men, the Lord has used their varied experience and redeemed it and used it as an encouragement uh, and for their shepherding. And that's one of the places I wanted to start with both of you men. Uh, Maybe you could both share a little bit how God used your time in working, quote unquote, in the secular world, in your jobs prior to ministry, how he used that in your life, um, in your sanctification, and, and even later in your ministry.
3: Uh, great, great question. You know, I I think first of all, you start with the, what is something exalted in scripture, and that is work and a work ethic. And so my parents taught me that the importance of that. And so I I think there probably are some pastors out there, you know, that if they left another kind of career and got into the ministry, maybe they left their work ethic, you know, out in the quote unquote secular world but we shouldn't, and so uh, I, I brought that work ethic into the ministry. There's no difference there, so you know, work is, is honored by God. It's promoted. It's a good thing, uh, and so there's an ethic that goes with that of, of how to work well so that you're fulfilling responsibilities. You're paying your bills. Uh, you're You're being a good testimony on all fronts, so all of that was just shaping me for the work that's also involved in, in the ministry, and so I'm conscious of that, even in the ministry now, that I would never want the people in our church to think that that I'm above work, you know, and so uh, I, I I work hard at what I do, and but that's what I've learned earlier in my life. So uh, our folks at our church will see me like they will see a lot of other pastors, a lot of other places. Um, hey, when something needs to get done at the church, I, it's not, a, I'm not above that, you know, if there's cleaning the carpet or moving tables or Uh, helping to mow the grass outside, uh, having a work day at the church. Listen, work is a good thing. It pleases the Lord when we work hard. And so those kind of lessons were were built into me as a child, but I also learned them firsthand uh, of being out in the workforce and then having a family, a wife and children and more children coming, uh, you know, to care for them, provide for them. That's God's way. God's number one way of meeting our needs is with work. And so that part's still in the ministry. Uh, I, I still have to pay bills and I still get, to get paid, you know, to work hard.
0: Yeah, and, and we can forget that pretty easily or people look at pastors in a different way. I remember being encouraged when you came to Grace Advance and mentioned that transition that went from being at sort of Grace with an elaborate staff to doing your own bulletins and running them off and also working with the AV team with the sound equipment. And that was just a huge encouragement to see You know, that didn't phase you. It was here's the work to do. And I wonder my question is, did dealing with discontent in a godly way prior to the ministry was that ever a help or a preparation for the ministry?
3: Dealing with discontent, you said?
0: Yeah, or just challenges or hardship on the job. I think sometimes think once you get into ministry, discontent's gonna go away a little bit. No, I mean listen. Pressure's pressure. Um
3: pressure is from God. First of all, yeah. there's a difference between pressure and stress. Pressure is from God. Stress is my unbiblical response to God's pressure. So I mean that's true. You know, whether I'm working was working as a pharmacist or hey, before that you go back far enough and I worked on a farm, you know, and and uh, you know, worked hard there. But uh, you know, there's there's a there's a sense of um, you, you talk about the discontent, like uh, just the, the discontent with how hard things can be sometimes in, in sure. life, the job. Yeah, or just I mean,
0: negotiating challenges.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. let's think of it this way. You know, in Ecclesiastes, there's this timeless principle mm-hmm. that, you know, Solomon, you know, had to deal with. And of course, he didn't, he didn't deal with it well, at first, but, you know, that vanity, vanity, all is vanity, all your work under the sun is 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 useless. You know, it means nothing. Well, that's a an extreme, you know, sinful way of looking at it. But there was something, there's something true there mm. that I like to call, and, and others have called it the ecclesiastical principle. This idea that in a fallen world, you know, everything is touched by that. There's some degree of vanity mm. and and uselessness and and fruitlessness about everything we do in a fallen yes. world. And so pharmacy had its jobs, pharmacy had its disappointments, pharmacy had its pressure, pharmacy had its dangers, you know, pharmacy had its, it's all those things. Well, that didn't go away in the ministry. Ministry has its disappointments. Yep.
0: I, I don't like
3: everything about the ministry, okay? So, I mean, nobody's listening into this, right? It's just you and I talking. So I just wanna <laughs> make Amen, sure. brother. Uh, but you know, I, I didn't like everything about pharmacy. I mean, not everything was fulfilling. Something was, was, some of it was just chores you had to do. Yeah. But that's true of the ministry too. I, I don't like everything. Some of it's not fulfilling. Yeah. Well, then that's going to be true of every career. There's going to be something about your job and your career that's not what you thought it were was or something. Just remember, that's the Ecclesiastes principle. Yeah, absolutely. Touches, touches
0: everything in the world. No, and, and that's a wise word. I, I think, you know, we are a little... By age and demographic here in Silicon Valley, you know, our our church demographic is very much almost like a first generation between 20 and 40. And um, I think that wisdom, you know, that comes from Ecclesiastes and Genesis that regardless uh, until Jesus comes, our labor is going to be at different times, painful, sorrowful, and there will be toil with that. And uh, you know, obviously part of part of the issue that we're dealing with on our end is the idolatry of work. There's the feeling that there's some other job or some other thing that is gonna satisfy me or complete me, and and it gets distorted out of God's design for us. That's a, that's a real problem with our
3: expectations. We were just talking about that this weekend at, at this marriage retreat that I was leading. And it's a problem in, in marriage. You know, we have these unrealistic expectations that we've put up about. Our spouse or what what it 's going to be like to be married or uh, to have children, you know if I could just get married then i 'll have no more problems in life absolutely you know? or if we 're married, if we just had children then we 'll have no more problems in life, or if I could just get this other job with more pay, you know everything will be perfect, and i 'll be content, not really you 'll just carry the discontent into a new situation, so we have to really be careful about you know, having our expectations so high that they're, they're unrealistic sure. things under the sun, you know, there's, it's just
0: not always going to work out
3: and, and be. A, no, a, a,
0: absolutely. And to that end though, how do you shepherd, you know, folks in your churches as far as biblical, let's say expectations or understanding maybe uh, as far as, as far as work. And especially as I'm sure this is something that you men bump up against, especially men who you're raising up in leadership, the busyness of work and that tension between work and church, it seems to come up as a conflict many times for many of the busyness of of work and the desire to serve in church. What is maybe a, how would you counsel or shepherd to have a, a biblical understanding and maybe expectation uh, of work. I can't wait
3: to hear what George is going to say about that. That's an excellent question.
4: <laughs> um, actually, before I, I go to that, um, just to uh, piggyback off of you know what Carrie was saying, I was thinking about uh, just the ways that the Lord used work to to sanctify me and um, lessons that the Lord uh, taught me during that time. There's a couple things that, that just came to mind as I was uh, thinking through that. I think. Uh, number one, the Lord uh, really taught me how to trust in him, um, trusting in him for, uh, you know, my provisions, uh, recognizing that, um, you know, it's it's God uh, who gives us our, our daily bread. You know, that the prayer that we pray in, in Matthew chapter six, uh, it's uh, something that's, that's very true. Uh, that should be very true of, of all of us, that we recognize that he's the one that supplies our, our daily needs. Uh, that was something that uh, the Lord definitely uh, taught me uh, specifically during my days uh, at seminary. And you might remember this, Mark, but uh, there was a period of time uh, where I was without work. Uh, I got laid off from my job and, yes. you know, was wrestling with whether or not I just drop out of seminary. And we had some savings that I was able to, you know, hold on to for a while and, you know, make my way through it. But um, the Lord really taught me how to depend on him uh, for every need that I have. And that's something that comes up all the time as I'm counseling with uh, with other people uh, just to um uh, be able to talk to them about you know the Lord being their ultimate provider, and um, you know the Lord uses the the means of work and uh, even used the means of of work to provide us uh, a little bit of savings uh, in order to to make our way through the end of seminary. But uh, the Lord really taught me a lot of uh, just dependence on on Him, uh, that He's the God that uh, provides for uh, all of all of our needs. Um, I think there's also the example. Uh, so even uh, being able to uh, to, to be out in the, in the workforce myself for uh, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of years uh, for, you know, over, I think it was over about 15 years, you know, doing HVAC and, uh, you know, Baltimore uh, is a, a blue collar, you know, kind of area. And um, it allows allowed me to relate to a lot of people, you know, so I didn't just go straight from, you know, uh, college to seminary to ministry, you know, spending that time out in the workforce, you know, with real people, real problems, real challenges, I think it just helped me to relate a lot more to uh, to people who, who come to me with uh, questions about you know different uh, areas of life. I was uh, even thinking about second Thessalonians chapter three, uh, where Paul uh, himself talked about being an example you know that you know you saw our example among you and how he was uh, uh diligent and how he provided for his needs and uh, I think that that's something that that's also a great benefit uh, from work as well and uh, the other thing and uh, you, you guys already know my heart on this one, but um uh, it gave me uh, wonderful opportunities to evangelize. And uh, sometimes people uh, ask me if I miss anything about, you know, doing HVAC and I, I miss, uh, you know, some aspects of it, I, I like uh, figuring out problems, you know, uh, how to troubleshoot something and, you know, figure out, you know, what's the solution to this problem. That was always satisfying, you know, finding a job where, you know, it presented a difficulty and being able to overcome that at the end of the day, you just, you know, really felt like, uh, like, like you're on, on cloud nine, you know, and it's like, hey, I figured this out, you know, I got it done. Um, it's not not always the same in church where you can just figure something out and no, it. <laughs> no, it is not. No, it is not. And the, the air
0: conditioners never spoke back to me. You know what I mean? Just like brother, okay. I'll tell you one time because it's just the three of us speaking. And I was at Grace Community Church in a fellowship group, and we had a thorn in the flesh in that ministry that I was at, who was causing grief. And I was working as a physician on a set, and I was dealing with a constipation problem with one of my patients, as he said, solving problems. And the amazing thing is medically, it's like they're in, you get the solution, it's done. They walk out as a happy person. And I had this other guy who was just divisive and all riled up and he drove all the way out to Grace to to lodge a complaint against myself and the other Bible study leaders and going there. And I just thought, oh my goodness, you know, when it comes to shepherding souls and what the Lord brings and, and how he refines it, it, it's like taking care and cleaning up after people sometimes seems so much simpler and so much more straightforward than waiting for the Lord to sort of redeem or change a heart. Or renew a heart in that place, but then that's what grows our faith, right? Uh,
4: definitely, I actually tell people sometimes, uh, you know, ministering to people is is more like a therapy than surgery. You know, you yeah. can come to a surgeon, you can you know put yeah. your bones back together and send you off and like you know, hey, you're done, you're you're fixed, yeah. you can you're gonna heal up. Like therapy, you you actually need to do something to get better. You know, so I'm I'm helping you, giving you some things to work on when you go back home. But if if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, like you can't expect anything to change. So, uh, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just very, very different, you know, working with, uh, and, and we're all broken. We're all sinners. You know, we all have, you know, those issues that we deal with, but, um, but yeah, we're, we're sinners, you know, helping other, you know, sinners look more like, like Christ, but, um, but yeah, that can definitely uh, be a challenge, but, uh, ask your original question again. I'm sorry. I got off track. Well,
3: Let me use you... working in ministry. It sounded like,
0: yeah. How, how do you guys, you men, you pastors, encourage your members as far as using the workplace or understanding the workplace as belonging to the Lord, an opportunity for the gospel, redeeming that that time that they're in the workplace. Because certainly, George, I agree with you. What I do miss about medicine is I, I got to see 24 patients a day. And even after seminary, it started to become a place where I was able to witness. To many of these people who were coming in, I, I I miss that aspect a little bit. But um, just to encourage and help members see their workplace as a place where the Lord has sovereignly put them, um, you know, any thoughts or insights or direction or advice that you'd give? I'll just I'll
4: just say this real quick, and I'll let Carrie jump in. Um, but I, I find it interesting, you know. So even when you look at the uh, uh, the way that you know the Lord directed the children of Israel, there were, there was that one day, you know, the Sabbath day where they were supposed to rest. But if you think about the flip side of that, there were six days that they were supposed to work, (laughs) you know, so the Lord commanded, you know, his people to to take a break. But, you know, that's also with this understanding that, you know, there's these other six days that there's an expectation uh, that you are to work as well. You know, so often people think about work as like, you know, and, and there's those, those terms that we use, you know, it's the rat race, it's the nine to five, it's the daily grind, you know what I mean? So we can tend to think about work as like, you know, this burden that's been placed upon us. And uh, it's not that there aren't challenges. And, uh, you, know, you know, back to Genesis 3, you know, it also comes with the, the, the curse as well, you know, that, that work is difficult, work is challenging. But, but work is still an honorable, you know, thing that we do. It's it's given by God. It yes. glorifies God. Uh, so to think about work is like, no, this is something that the Lord has has given me. This is good. This is right. I can honor God, you know, uh, in these six days, this isn't a waste of time. Actually, you know, when you look at the schedule and how God ordered things, there was only one day that was given a rest. The other were, uh, other six days were to be given, you know, to work. So this is something that God intended for me to do. You know, this isn't, some distraction from, you know, what, what my, the bulk of my life is supposed to be given to. You. I am supposed to be a worker. That's what God has called me to be. And that's whether you're, um, you know, working the nine to five or whether you're at home with kids, you're to be uh, the, the, the mother at home is to be a worker at home. You know, Titus chapter two talks about, you know, the, the older women teaching the, the younger woman, you okay. know, to be workers at home, you know, to love their, their husbands, love their children. This is something that God has called me to do. And it's a noble occupation. Uh, so I shouldn't look at this as, uh, you know, something that God has imposed upon me. This is a curse. It's not the, the work that's a curse. It's the difficulty of work uh, that's the curse. But the, the work is is good. The work is honorable. And even Adam was given uh, a responsibility, you know, before the fall to tend to the garden. And that was good. And Genesis one thirty one says that everything, you know, after God looked at, you know, how he structured everything, behold, all was very good. It was very good. Uh, even the the work that God gave Adam to do so. Uh, we need to think about our, our work as uh, one of the, the means that, uh, uh, that glorifies God, you know, uh, you know, in first Corinthians, it talks about, you know, whatever you do, you know, to do all to the glory of, of God, um, you know, we need to look at work as something that, that does glorify God. And um, whether it's the, the, the work itself, or the opportunities that we also, you know, uh, gain because of our employment, you know, to look at all of that is this is this is my ministry, you know uh, Romans chapter twelve, you know talks about us you know giving our bodies as this living and holy sacrifice unto the Lord, and that when you think about it, the sacrifice is your life, everything that's contained within that, you know whether i'm working whether i'm at home, whether i'm at church, my whole life is a sacrifice that I'm rendering to the Lord. all of this is supposed to be done in a way that would bring glory and honor to him this is this is my sacrifice, and I need to you know, when I wake up in the morning, when I'm going to work, to think about, you know, this is my sacrifice, you know, to the Lord, that I'm to do it with a, an attitude towards him. And if I can do my work with my eye on Christ, you know, that this will bring glory uh, to God. So, you know, kind of back to Colossians chapter three and, you know, one and following where it talks about, you know, setting your affections on things above, that I can do that while on the job. My, my affections are still up there. And uh, even as you read earlier in uh, Ephesians 6, which is also you know, found in Colossians 3, that we're to do our work heartily as unto the Lord, yeah. that I'm supposed to look at the Lord as my, my true supervisor. That's my, my real boss. You know, th- that's the guy that's looking over my shoulder. You know, even if nobody's behind me, it's the Lord who's looking over my shoulder to see how I work. And it's like, no, no Lord, I want to do this as a sacrifice to, to you. And um, like I said, it can be challenging if, if you allow your mind to be distracted from that if you start looking at the person in front of you, well, well, this supervisor wasn't pleased with what I did today. And it's like, oh, this was a horrible day. You know, you go home and you're dejected and you're depressed. And, you know, this, this supervisor didn't recognize my work. It's was like, well, do you really know who you're really doing that for? Do you know yeah. who your, who, who your ultimate supervisor is? Do you know who you're going to have to give a report to, you know, at the end of that day? And, uh, you know, the one who's ultimately going to be looking over our life and uh, rewarding us for what we do, it's not that employer, you know, it's the Lord, you know, it's the Lord who you serve. So, just to, to keep that in mind that I, I, I serve Christ, you know, wherever you I am
0: And, is, and I'm at Joseph, you know, and, and his conduct in Potiphar's household, and we forget that Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, is present, and God's eyes are on us, and we are not alone in the workplace. And so, uh, yeah. Those are, George, helpful and and good reminders. Thank you. Absolutely.
3: Let me add a a verse to that that I've used with a lot of uh, people in our church in a variety of settings. And it's sort of a a life verse, kind of memory verse that can be a compass for you, including at work. And that's Second Corinthians 5, 9, where Paul said, I have as my ambition, which means my driving goal, my motivation in life, to be and he says, whether dead or alive, in the body or out of the body, you know, so I have my ambition to be pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. So this was something that drove him and everything. So apply that to work. Some things can be very mundane tasks. Some things are, are, are tasks that you perform and nobody notices. So, you know, the boss, the supervisor, or other workers, you're not going to get the boys, the pat on the backs at all. Um, so why do it? Well, it's remembering your ultimate master, you know, that it's, yeah, but I'm doing this to please him. He sees, and that's all that matters. And if I have done it with excellence, uh, out of a heart that wants to please him, then, then believe me, you know, again, this is a trite way to think about it, but it works for simple minds like me, you know, that you just sort of think of God with a clipboard, you know, going, I see, that, that's good, D- double check that because someday you'll hear, well done, good and faithful Amen. servant. And so that, that's not a statement that you can hear just because you were a pastor of a church, you know, well done because you were in the ministry. Listen, that that task, that, those mundane responsibilities, that nine to five, those things you do that nobody notices, as, Paul, as uh, George said in Colossians 3, when it says, don't do things with external service, you know, meaning in Colossians 3.22, don't don't do things just because somebody is looking at you. You know, the boss suddenly walks in the room. And boy, everybody, you know, gets busy and, and starts making like they're typing or, or something, you know. And then when the boss leaves, you know, they're back to kind of being lazy again. Well, that's doing things uh, out of fearing men just to please men. Mm-hmm. But he says in verse 22, with sincerity of heart, genuine about this, fearing the Lord. So, yes, it applies at home. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, a, it's an issue of worship ultimately. Mm-hmm. Whether you're washing dishes at home, if you just see that as a drudgery and just something that doesn't make sense, I don't even want to do it. Or can I see this as a moment of worship where uh, I'm being grateful to the Lord that I even have dishes to wash and and I want to do the best job I can, you know, Uh, I I tell guys like that, mow mow your yard in such a way that (laughs) you're keeping your line straight. I mean, you know, do the best job you can at it. Yeah, but what if the neighbors don't notice and I don't win any awards? Well, it doesn't matter. God noticed, you know, yeah. so I'm pleasing him. And he goes on in verse 23 to say, whatever you do. So there's no limit here, no, no career, no task, no context at, at work, hospital, home, in the nursery, you know, the, you know at home, at church, whatever, whatever you do, do it for the Lord rather than, than men. And you got to keep in mind an, an eternal perspective about it. You, you might do this for a long time and never get the promotion you want and never make the salary you want and never own the house that somebody else owns and all that, all stuff that's going to burn up anyway, you know, someday. Well, then verse 24 kicks in of Colossians 3, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the word. word. That, that, that's all that matters because it's the Lord. Christ whom you serve.
0: Amen. And of course,
3: you know, that there's an unfortunate chapter break there at the end of chapter three of Colossians, because chapter four, verse one really belongs to that whole thought. Mm-hmm. And there he talks to, to the other side of it. Some of you may be supervisors, you know, and you you may have people working for you, or you may, you know, you may have to give, uh, have authority over somebody else. I don't know. Well, verse chapter four, verse one is for you to say, yeah, it applies to you too. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you've got to do that part of the work, As well with excellence and unto the Lord. And just one more thing I do try to tell people, remind people sometimes what excellence means.
0: Mm.
3: Excellence needs to be defined rightly. Excellence is not perfection.
0: Mm.
3: Perfectionism is a terrible sin, Mm. it's a terrible bondage. Mm. I mean, some people take pride in it. You know, I'm a workaholic, I'm a perfectionist. And I'm going, well, that's not good. Don't say that out loud, you know. But perfectionism is, is is really a pride driven fear of man thing. excellence is living up to the capability that God has given me and it doesn't matter what somebody else does and if, if I'm if I'm if you're made a 100 watt bulb if that's who you are then shine 100 watts if you're made 60 watts shine 60. you know if you're a 40 watt bulb if you're shining 40 watts you know what're you're, you're, you're doing excellence unto the Lord he's mm-hmm. pleased. So make 2 Corinthians 5.9 your life first when you go to work.
4: And yeah. also, just, just real quick, just want to jump onto that, because I think that, you know, sometimes what makes that difficult, you know, uh, this ambition that we were to have to, to please and, and honor Christ, we make it our ambition to please the Lord, is that we, we don't immediately see the results of that. Sure. Um, and uh, I think that it really 2 uh, Corinthians uh, 5.7 also needs to be kept in mind that we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, so uh, so many times we're we're looking for you know what we can see, what we what the results are, the immediate results, and uh, and that's just not how we live the the Christian life. The the Christian life is is a walk by faith. You know, I walk by faith that the Lord sees this, the Lord knows I may never see it on this side of eternity, but I'm I'm walking, I'm living by faith, I'm trusting in the Lord that what He says is what's right, uh, even if nobody else you know ever. that's right
0: it's a kingdom mentality it's a mustard seed right you know and that and and the sowing of the seed whether it be at work or home or church we may not see the results and it's the lord who's going to give the increase in his time and in his way no it's it's you know yeah and and that idea too you know carrie just you know, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord, and so he knows our frame, and he knows what our limitations are, and serving to please him is so freeing in comparison to trying to serve up to our own expectations or the expectations of men, which can be such a bondage yeah. for folks.
3: That, that's a good, good comment, and um, the world doesn't see it that way, and this oh. is another example where Romans 12 kicks in. Don't be yes. conformed to the world. Mm-hmm. Don't let the world conform you into its mold. Yes. that starts with your thinking, you know, of what, what, how you prioritize things and stuff like that. So it starts there uh, of living a different way, you know, with your mindset on heaven, as George says, and it's like a magnet that draws you out of all that, the, the, the clay, the miry clay of, of all that. I was thinking though, something you said earlier about this whole issue of ministry and, and how that, that kicks in and the balance there. Um, that's a real challenge that when it comes to shepherding the men of the church, because you know, we're teaching, yeah, you know, the body of Christ is important. You need to use your giftedness and serving and be involved in the church. And, and there's a there's a legalistic extreme out there about that. And and I kind of remember being influenced by that earlier in my life, you know, and you you grow up with this attitude that well, how, how much, how often should I be at church? You know, well, every time the door's open, there's the biblical standard. Well, you know, that, that worked for me until I got to Grace Community Church. And the the door's never
0: shut. It's always open.
4: The city that that never sleeps.
0: Yeah, that that never works there,
3: you know, it's the wrong way of thinking at it. And uh, I I kind of, through the years have, have readjusted my, my understanding of priorities. Now, believe me, I believe in living by priorities, you know, one of the things that causes causes people's lives to go off the rail is they've forgotten their biblical priorities. Yeah. But but the biblical priorities are not, not a hard and fast, you know, number one, number two, number three, number four, as if it's so easy to say that number one is the Lord. That, that doesn't change. My ultimate priority is to the Lord. Number two, if you're married, it's your spouse. Number three is your children. Number four is your work and your job. Number five is this. That hard and fast, rigid thing doesn't really work practically if you start thinking like, well, okay, my my second priority I'm married is my wife. I need to prioritize her above my work. So I should spend more time with my wife than at work, right? Well, actually, I don't. You know, I, I don't spend literally you know, 40 to 50 hours a week with my wife, you know. Uh, But I have to at my job and stuff like that. When I was going to seminary, I was working, trying to go to seminary full time and take Greek and Hebrew at the same time and work 45 hours in the pharmacy at the same time. I was uh, digging a hole that I was never going to get out of. So I had to drop some courses and and take a different look at things. But my, my point is that it's not so much a time thing as it is a mindset you're living with. That Yes, my wife is more important than my job, but I, I, you know, I, I have to spend X number of hours at my job in order to, to get paid and so forth. Could there come a place where I would have to make a decision I'm leaving this job, I no longer work at this job because I can't give minister to my wife and my children the way I need to? Sure, that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, could it come to a place where a person would say, you know what, this, this job is so demanding, there's so much pressure, so much time involved, I've got to get out of this and take a different job because I don't have the time I want to give to the body of Christ in serving and ministry. It could, it could happen, but I think those are kind of extreme uh, exceptions really. So priorities are more of a of a horizontal kind of thing in some ways that yes my priority the Lord's it, it, number one, but it It affects all the other priorities. So I have a priority with my wife. I have a priority to my work. I have priority to my children, priority to, to, I'm losing my hand off the screen here. So it's over here, you know, (laughs) priority to ministry, the church. And at any given time, it's an ebb and flow and fluctuating that, frankly, I mean, a, a season of life might be that, hey, I, you know, I do taxes for a living. So, you know, from, I don't know, April to May, my life is kind of not my own. Somebody might say, I have accountants like that in our church. And so they understand and, and their spouse understands and the church understands that they've got this busy season and it requires their time and effort right now, but they know it's going to come to an end and they're going to make sure it does. And, uh, and then they're going to give the adequate time to something else. And so it was like that in sem- seminary. I had to give time to the pharmacy and I, then I had to give time to my studies and I'd have to keep a watch on my, 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 my schedule every once in a while to say, you know what, I haven't had time lately to spend time with my kids. I'm sorry. I'm just going to take a, a lesser grade on this paper. And that's okay. Because I need to spend Saturday with my children and my wife. But, and so it's an ebb and flow thing. And I actually appreciated one particular professor I had in seminary that actually had a grading system that was based upon that kind of thinking. That he said, here's what you do to get an A. Do this and this and this. Here's what you have to do to get a B. Do this and this. Here's what you have to do to get a C. This. And then he said, for some of you, it will be a sin for you to pursue an A in this course. And it's because you have a wife and children and a job and things like that. And some of those things are going to require your time. So forget Forget the grade point average, that that's the thing that drives you in life, and and that's what real excellence is. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if it means sacrificing something over here for a while for something over here that that needs attention, then do that. That's okay. That's actually all under the category of the Lord being first, and He's pleased with how I'm trying to balance all that. So Mm -hmm. if, if somebody's getting out of hand, and they're just it's just going on and on and on and on and their wife is suffering and their children are suffering and they're not involved in church, then yes, we have to sit down and say to this person, you know, Bob, I mean, let's look at this thing. I mean, have, have priorities kind of got out of whack? I mean, where's the end of this going to come I mean, how are you shepherding your family? But I have guys that it's seasonal like that. And, you know, and they've proven it over time that they're going to give the commitment to the church. And then there's another season where, you know what, I'm just, I'm giving my attention to my family right now. I think you just have to be sensitive to that, and I think if you're doing that, uh, the Lord will give grace for you to persevere through all that.
0: Well, these things, you know, tie into a number of the scripture verses that you men have mentioned, you know, this idea of having an eternal perspective, seeing patterns over a period of time, um, being transformed, and not conformed to the world, and walking by faith, and not by sight, you know, when you see, and that's much harder to do, because it's not a you know, flow sheet, this is what it's going to be like for the rest of your life. It's minute by minute, moment by moment, week by week, really looking at is the Lord and his word and the light of his word shepherding my relationships and what I'm doing, as opposed to here's this formula of how to do it, you know, which which breaks us all, quite frankly.
3: Yeah, a formula approach that that may sound good on paper. I mean, I'm at a point in my life now. I'm like really, really old. I'm like 150 years old now. So, I mean, I've, I've experienced a lot. But uh, you look good.
0: You yeah, look good. Yeah. You tell me what you're I, taking, and I'll I take ride it too.
3: Mike and I, I kind of limit Krispy Kreme donuts. How many I have a day, and you know some of those important things. But we keep
0: it down to four.
3: Yeah, but uh, but um, I forgot now what we were talking about. See, that's what happens when you're age. Uh, you know that that you've you've got this this formula approach. You've learned over time that that sounds good on paper, maybe at first, but now that I've gotten older, I don't even think it's good on paper. It's just not realistic, you know, because the Lord it just doesn't operate that way. It's a dynamic, as George said, a walk of faith with the Lord, yeah. and uh, and so and and God's will is involved as you're seeking to live it out, and, and that's a dynamic thing as well. And so, yes, some sometimes. People have to make decisions that you know what I'm going to have to give up this kind of career because I I, it's not working to allow me the time I need for my family and 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 ministry in the church because I have all these responsibilities and building relationships with my neighbors who are unbelievers I mean all those things are important and uh, so something might might have to give and I will I'm going to be really just really almost self-serving in this right now, but I'm going to have an advice for the ladies here on this issue. A lot of these things we're talking about balance. So this is an unashamed advertisement for a book that my wife wrote. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. I'm giving you a disclaimer. Okay. Don't send me any emails about this. Uh, My wife recently wrote a book on balance. It's called keeping your balance. And what she did was she took, and it's aimed at ladies, although guys, if you read it, it would help you.
0: uh, (laughs) It's, well, you should have given it to me around 10 years ago, Carrie. It's so, about
3: eight, it's eight chapters, and it's called Keeping Your Balance. And it's she's dealing with the, the the categories of life where you can get out of balance because the scripture teaches you two things. It teaches you to be devoted to your family but also devoted to ministry. Well, how do you balance that biblically? Because they're two good things. And she has at the end of each chapter – some symptoms that are evident if you're getting out of balance on one area and not being balanced with the other. Another one would be uh, trusting God on one hand, but striving and making decisions and getting things done on the other. Which do you do? Well, scripture would promote both, but you got to keep those scriptural passages in balance and and she'll have some symptoms listed if you're you're getting too far this way or that way. So she's taking eight categories of life like that and and, and tries to help women especially learn how to live out all that the Bible says. And so she does deal with responsibilities in the home and work and things like that. So I would recommend that. that. Like, is it published? Yeah, it's published. It's called Keeping Your Balance. Okay. And it's on Amazon and sure. uh, Arms and & Noble and places like that. It's, it's, she has a website called, boy, this is really an unashamed hey, keep it going. publicity. <laughs> the website's called, and it's cheaper there, keepingyourbalancebook.com. I think that's it, keepingyourbalancebook.com. Her name is Pam Hardy. And uh, it's great for women's Bible studies, too. There's questions at the end of each chapter. Anyway, all that uh, is there. It is what it is. But my point is, a lot of what you're talking about is how to go about fulfilling all our responsibilities that God gives us in a very balanced and wise way. And that's a challenge. I mean, we don't do it perfectly. No. and We probably hit and miss, and, and sometimes we're doing better than other times. Because we are broken, we are in a fallen world. Yeah. But with the Lord's help and Scripture and the work of the Spirit, we we can over time see the fruit yeah. of, that, of seeking to live in a wise way. Uh, one more thing about work. While I'm thinking about it, I, I've had to shepherd people on this more than once, and and I'm not saying there's a hard and fast rule on this or formula, but uh, I think it does concern pastors, you know, people like us, you know, that when a, when a person has so prioritized career. That they're willing to make a move in order to get a promotion,
4: yeah.
3: And you start asking them, well, what? What is there a good church in the area? I mean, is there? No, a place but there's there? a bigger house. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I don't know about that. But you know, I'll find. I'm something.
0: moving in with George.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's like, well, listen,
3: uh, I appreciate it, and I've known some men like this and some women like this where they turned down what was a lucrative offer because when they did the research, there wasn't a Bible teaching church that would edify them and help them in their walk with Christ within an hour or two hours. I'm going, you know what? Now, there's somebody who understands the place of all of this and trying to keep the right balance there in perspective. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I mean, all of you are younger than me, but you know, as you go through life, you're gonna have those, those opportunities. Don't, don't make a move, but take an opportunity just because it's a great career advancement or something like that. There's other things involved mm-hmm. in pleasing the Lord and living for him and what counts for eternity. That's another chapter in Pam's book, by the way. I just remembered, it's the balance between eternal mindset and the temporal mindset. We have temporal responsibilities and we need to be careful about and fulfill them. But yet things that are eternal are more important. So how do you balance all that?
0: Well, Carrie, your, your shamelessness is to my benefit and lifted a burden because my wife asked me before this session started to ask on behalf of the ladies. And in fact, you addressed it and did one better. You gave us a book for our ladies so that they can, uh, be edified with some of these questions. So that's a a blessing of your shamelessness there. Um, I want to tell you one thing that really encouraged me during our time at Grace Advance when George and I were there and we had. a class with you and also breakfast with you. And you reminded us of those early years when you moved to North Carolina. And I think it was a really crazy life for you and your wife and your family. And you shared with us how you had to sit with your wife and take a moment and remind yourselves why you were doing what you were doing and that it was for Christ. Yeah, And that stuck with me. <clears throat> well,
3: <clears throat> yeah, you know, when you make moves like that and you know, for a while there's the pioneer spirit, you know, and you're following yep. the Lord and you're going out there in the trenches. You know, I was at Christian Disneyland, you know, Grace Community Church, you know, yep. at, uh, you know, it was for 16 years. and It was wonderful. I learned a lot, love experiences and all that. But then we're taking what we learned, getting out there. And, you know, we, we prayed about it, sought counsel, you know, made, you know, trying to make a wise decision. We were so excited going to the mission field, you know, yep. North Carolina. And, yep. uh, and yeah, but, you know, reality sets in at some point and it was hard, you know, and it was hard on my two kids. I, I moved, uh, uh, my two youngest were we, we landed in North Carolina the day before school started. My daughter was going into seventh grade middle school here the next day. And my son was parachuting in from the Christian grace community school parachuting into a secular high school of about 2000 students. And he didn't know anybody as a sophomore in high school. And, uh, you know, about a year into this thing, we're realizing, wow, we left all of our friends and my wife's in tears sometimes and my, my children in tears. And, and, you know, it was hard. And, and so it was constantly us going to the Lord again for strength and, 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 and rehearsing what he's done for us and remembering why we're there and what we're living for. And, and we had to do that several times in our hearts. So We had to shepherd our own hearts that way. And some of what Pam has written about in the book is the fruit of what she's learned, you know? So we had to counsel ourselves biblically and, and to remember what we were living for and it's for the kingdom of God. And, uh, that ultimately is what, what matters. And, and God can use those trials. We kept counseling ourselves that the difficulty, the trials, uh, all of that, using it for shaping us to be more like Christ. And, uh, we persevered through that and, and eventually began to see the
0: fruit of it. You know, um, and George, this is true for you too, as I've watched your life. But those were things when Julie and I started here. I remembered that, and so I imitated you because that was like a card in my sleeve to sit down with Julie and say, "We're here for the kingdom, honey, and we're doing it for the Lord." And I remembered when they told us this in grace advance that from time to time, this is where we've got we've got to come home, so to speak. That's in my mind. We've got to come home. We've got to come to Christ in those times um, until. We start to see, um, you know, where he's going with some of the some of the hardships and challenges, whether it be in work or in ministry. So thank you for that and and for you men just being an encouragement in that way by your example and for the opportunity to imitate. You know, those were pearls that really kept me um, during some hard seasons. You guys have had a long day. You've blessed us richly. I want to ask you, uh, as we get ready to close down here and and let you guys go, um, how can we be praying for each one of you, your families, and and the ministries that the Lord has called you to?
4: Well, I'll just say uh, um, my wife and I just celebrated 23 years of uh, marriage. So uh, that was just uh, last week, Sunday, April 25th. Uh, marks 23 years of marriage for us, so uh, uh, very grateful for that. We're uh, definitely in a time of transition uh, with uh, our children. So, my oldest um, just graduated from college, and uh, she'll be moving in our basement. So she's kind of moving out, but she's you know still there. Uh, so right now I'm in, a, in the in the midst of a, a basement renovation project for her. But uh, she's uh, she has an internship, and she's you know a paid internship, and she's looking to to be employed soon so that might turn into you know future employment so we'll see about that um my son um in the middle uh he's uh about to start a career uh so he's did two years in college and he he wants to uh, get into a trade so i guess trying to follow in the footsteps of his dad uh so uh so that's my my son and my, my youngest is uh about to uh, she's just about to graduate from high school and you know moving out the house so we're about to be empty nesters uh so you can just pray for the, the transition in that my wife has you know been a you know homeschool mom for forever and uh you know kind of mom kind of helping the kids figure out life and you know all that's about to change so you can just pray for for her uh i know that's a that's a big deal uh, you can be praying for our ministry uh, things are really doing well here at uh, baltimore bible church the ministry's growing Uh, which uh, is exciting to see, but it also adds a lot of challenges, you know, just having to shepherd, you know, all the people who come, you know, baby Christians. We have one girl I was just uh, sharing with Carrie, uh, just came to know the Lord about a year ago. She's from a Hindu family. Uh, Parents don't know the Lord, um, but she was, uh, we met her, she was reading R.C. Sproul, What is Reformed Theology? She's, and she's only 16 years old this girl uh, got saved at 15. It's, it's just the, the Lord's work. So you have these like, you know, baby believers, you know, new believers that, uh, you know, we're witnessing to and, you know, sharing with, you know, trying to help disciple things like that. Uh, but then you have uh, people on the, the opposite end of the spectrum who are coming in. So the Lord's just provided us with uh, wonderful, wonderful opportunities to, uh, to shepherd people. So just, just praying for, for all of that, for both myself and, and Matt Feldy here uh, with Shepherding Everybody. And, you know, always the prayer for me is just my own heart, just being faithful to the Lord. I want to be faithful with everything that the Lord's given me to do. And, you know, I want to make sure I'm not not dropping the ball, you know, in areas of life, you know, responsibilities that I have. So, you know, just as we've kind of been talking about doing your work heartily as unto the Lord and, you know, remembering, you know, who you're doing it for, even if things don't always work out the way that you desire them to, you know, the Lord is being glorified in all of it. So. Uh, Have
0: you guys got a building, uh George? I know that that was always. Yes, and
4: it's still it's still the the question mark. You know, where where will we land? You know, nobody around and around we go. Where where we land? Nobody knows. That's that's kind of how we are. Forty years, brother. Yeah, we're we're the, the the rolling church. You know, the rolling stone church. You know, so just kind of roll this place that place. I call I call us the Velcro church. We just kind of pick up people as we roll along. You know, just grab people from here and there. Okay, but uh, we're, we're, we're thankful the Lord has always provided us a place to be, and um, this is a great facility that we're meeting at right now, so uh, the Lord's has provided, provided abundantly for us, uh, so we're very thankful, but yeah, we don't, we don't know where, where the last uh, stop will be for, uh, for BBC, but uh, God knows, and we just want to be, you know, faithful and diligent and uh, trusting in, in him until, you know, the Lord, you know, answers that, that prayer and gives us a, an address.
0: We'll pray for that, Carrie. How about you? How can we be praying for you and your family and your ministry? Yeah,
3: thank you. You know, I'm, I'm definitely in, in some ways a different place in life. Uh, I'm uh, 67, and my my wife is just one year behind me. I robbed the cradle, you know. But uh, <laughs> next uh, next month we will have been married 45 years, so we're trying to figure out how to properly celebrate that. And um, yeah, we married when we were five years old. That's what I tell people. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I love... That was
0: Texas, right? That was Texas.
3: Yes, the Republic of Texas. Uh, I love my wife more today than I ever have. And uh, But we've been empty nesters for a few years now. So we have uh, parenting still going on, but it's different now. And we yeah. have uh, four kids from age 26 to 36. And uh, three live in Nashville, Tennessee, and one uh, lives in our church, he and his wife. But... Um, yeah, I mean our parenting is still going on, and there's challenges there. We have, we have burdens and concerns for our children and what they profess on one hand, but what we what we see defined biblically as true saving faith on the other. So you can pray for us that that Pam and I will continue to be faithful shepherds and parents uh, to our children. We have good relationships with them, and they, and they still love us and, and listen. But you know the Lord has to do uh, a spiritual work in people's hearts, no matter who they are. So that's that parenting still going on, and. Um, at the church side, our church has been growing and we have a building, but we're out of space. So our mm-hmm. elders need wisdom. We're trying to figure out what to do next mm-hmm. as far as building and, and expanding. And I don't know, that's a, that's a lot of work and a lot of responsibility. So we just need wisdom and all that. But, but I'm just so grateful. The Lord's being so gracious uh, to us and, and blessing us as a church, uh, growing spiritually and rescuing people out of bad churches, but seeing people come to Christ. I mean, all that's just the wonderful side of ministry. But we have the normal challenges as well. Uh, you know, we're all sinners. Amen. And the elders are. And, you know, I still battle the flesh just like anybody does. They will do that till we die. So uh, prayer for, for help there as we, uh, it, for somebody like myself, you know, that we look toward the future, that we end well. I mean, that, that would be a prayer.
0: Amen. Amen. Oh, listen, man, just thank you for warming our hearts and, and yeah. just uh, encouraging us. And what a blessing. Um, Let me close our time in prayer and then free you guys up to get some well-needed and well-earned rest. Thanks. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the gift of companionship, the gift of godly men, uh, the gift of faith, the encouragement that we receive from men who have traveled down the road ahead of us and are gracious to wait for us and to love us and to point us Lord Jesus to you in every aspect of our lives. We just thank you for the fellowship that we have, uh, the communion of saints, Lord, and the gathering of witnesses. And we just thank you for our brothers, Carrie and George. We just thank you for this precious time that we have. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation that you've given to these men. We thank you for the ministries that you've allowed these men to serve you in and the way you fearfully and wonderfully made them shape them lord the ministry that's there but also the legacy and the encouragement as they appointed us in our workplace but in every aspect of our lives and we just lift these men up to you we just ask lord that you would continue to protect them as they do spiritual warfare we pray that you would protect their ministries their marriages And most of all, Lord Jesus, their walk with you. We pray, Lord Jesus, each day for all of us as we battle the flesh. Lord Jesus, that we would look to you because you are the one who saves us and delivers us. We lift to you, Lord, these men, their wives, their dear precious wives, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for what a blessing they are. And we just ask that you continue to prosper their ministries as well and to be the source of encouragement and strength for them and for their children, Lord, we just lift them up to you as well. And thank you for the gift that you've given, but also, Lord, we just pray for strength and wisdom and energy for their biological children, but also, Lord Jesus, for their spiritual children, which are many, and for their respective churches Lord, for George, we just continue to pray if it be your will for a building, but we understand that you've used this, Lord, to draw them closer to you. But for the multitudes who are now coming, the new believers, those who are there, and the many demands that come with it, Lord, we just ask continually, Lord Jesus, that uh, BBC would continue to look to you, Lord, to feed the mouths, Lord with daily bread that comes from you and and for Carrie, with the busyness and the full responsibilities in many different areas. We just pray for ongoing wisdom for his elders, for unity with his elder board, for encouragement and strength. And we do pray, Lord, as it sounds like they're at full capacity with their building. Lord Jesus, we pray for your provision so that they can continue this great gospel ministry that you've given them. And we do indeed pray, Lord, that if it would be your will, that we'd have the opportunity to see one another face to face, to encourage one another in exchange a spiritual gift, and just continue to rejoice in this faith that you've given us, Lord Jesus, that binds us together and draws us near. Thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen.